forward a month ago for you to really focus on one, two, three relationships in your life and to pray to the Lord that He would help you to grow those relationships. We've been talking about on the weekend. We've been talking about in small groups, encouraging you to read a book on a daily basis. And we've talked about four different emphases. The first is the art of being all there. To put down the newspaper, to put down the remote control, to put down anything that you have in your hands that's distracting you and give your full attention to that person you're seeking to connect with. Being all there. I've been wearing this wristband, and others of you, and I'm going to keep wearing it because it's really been helpful for me to focus on the moment, to focus on the people uh, in my life. I encourage you to take a Facebook Internet fast for a day a week and devote that time. You'd normally do in social networking, using social networking, and devote that to somebody one-on-one. The second thing we talked about was the art of intentionality. That's making relationships a priority. Intentional about putting relationships on the front burner, as we've talked about. Relationships always go to the back. because We've got so many things going on, so many things we want to do, things we have to do, that we figure, well, relationships will be there tomorrow. Well, you're missing out on the most important thing God asks you to attend to, and that's loving others. Then we talked about the art of awkwardness. How could I meet your needs? That was the question that we asked you to ask the person that you cared about in your life. How many asked that question out there to someone? How can I meet your needs? Oh, very good. Again, I would encourage you to ask that. One guy came up to me and he said, yeah, I asked my wife that question. She said, well, you could play more board games with me. And she said, well, how can I meet your needs? And he said, you cannot ask me to play board games with you. <laughs> well, he played board games with her. See, you don't know sometimes until you ask. The fourth thing is the uh, the art of letting go. The art of letting go. We talked about this last week, the whole idea of uh, the journey of forgiveness. And hopefully some of you started that journey last week and... You're continuing to forgive that person day after day, and I pray that uh, you'd be able to continue on that journey through the power of Christ until you've fully forgiven that person. Now, as we move into the next two weeks, the last part of this series, we're going to talk about the art of identifying your love style this today, and then October 29th and 30th, the art of understanding others' love styles. We're going to have a love style workshop this Friday. And also on November 9th from 7 to 9, child care is provided. And we really encourage you to come out to that. We're also encouraging you to fill out the Love Style Report. And we'll talk about that later. But we want to explore how God has made us. We look in Ephesians 2.10. Paul writes, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared uh, beforehand that we should walk in them. Has anybody ever said to you, you're a real piece of work? Anybody said that to you? <laughs> is not what it's referring to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are God's workmanship. We had a friend 
in Nina, Wisconsin, where Lori and I started a church back in the late 80s, and he was a master craftsman. He made furniture and went into his home, and we looked at all this custom-made furniture, and I'm pretty sure that some of the pieces we looked at, there was not another piece of furniture out like, like that in the world. And that's who we are. We're one in seven billion people, totally unique. God has created us to love us. And He's created us to do good works. And God said, listen, your life is all about loving me and loving others. So when we're doing good works, we're either loving Him or loving others. And that really has been the focus of this series. How can we learn how to love others more effectively. And that's why we're studying personalities today, because many times we get frustrated with our spouse, with our kids and other people, because we don't realize they're different from us. If we thought everybody was like we were, life would be great. I know life would be pretty boring. Uh, God has created all these different personalities with different spiritual gifts and different ways to view the world in order to make it a rich and wonderful place, and we need to learn each other's differences, and we need to learn to celebrate each other's differences. Your personality determines so much in your life. It determines how you impact taking on a project, per se. Whether you want to be the leader, you want to get out there in front and encourage other people to follow you, or whether you'd rather do it in a team. It impacts how you relate to other people. Some of you are just people, people. You can't get enough of people. You love to create fun just by hanging around others, where others of you would rather just have two or three uh, close friends. Uh, There are others of you who are very uh, methodical about life. You run at a slower pace than other people. You're very peace-loving trying to create harmony in life, and you just kind of go along. Uh, And there are other people that are just off to the races. They can't go fast enough. Uh, There are other people who are just very conscientious. They, They want a plan for everything. Everything has to be laid out. You have to have schedules and schematic sheets, you know, for doing the laundry. Uh, That's just the way they are, right? And there's other people that could care less. They just live life as it comes day by day, really no plans. (laughs) They don't want to be limited by man-made rules, things like that. All these different things make us who we are. And it's important for us to have some self-knowledge as well as to have a knowledge of how other people tick in order that we might love them. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. That's the command. That's what we're learning to do. Just outdo one another. So if I see somebody showing an incredible amount of love to another person, I should think to myself, that's awesome. They're so sacrificial that... They really have touched that person's life. I want to do even better than they've done in loving that person. Not out of a sense of competitiveness, but because you want to please God. And we want to spur one another on toward love and good 
deeds. So as we learn each other's personality, the way I view it is it's just another skill set in loving other people. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you three questions to start out with to help you determine uh, what's your strongest personality trait. So if you could take out your message notes, and if we could have uh, some people in the back there, our ushers, if you could grab some pens and just be ready to give a pen out to anybody who might need one. There's a box of pens uh, back there. So you'll need a pen for our time uh, together. Raise your hand if you need a pen uh, to write with, and our ushers will get you one. So let's take a look at our message notes here. And there are three questions you need to ask to kind of give you a gist of what type of animal you might be. Now keep your hands up until they get you a pen. The first is outgoing versus shy. Put yourself somewhere on this continuum. Let's say you walk into a party and you are just filled with energy because there's so many people to talk with, so much fun to be had. <laughs> you know, you're the first one in, the last one out because you just love people. Others of you walk into a party looking, are there any safe people around here? We still have some hands up over here, guys. Uh, I'll make sure they get their pens and their arms don't get tired. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, so, I mean, you're looking for a safe person because you maybe have two or three deep relationships. And for the party, you'd rather just get off in a corner and have a half-hour conversation with that person. And some of you won't even show up unless you have somebody else with you. Okay, you make sure you have that person with you before you even come. So where do you put yourself? Are you more outgoing or are you more shy? And there's nothing wrong with being shy. Extroverted, introverted. In fact, you can add the word extroverted there on your notes. I forgot to put that in there. So what you do is you want to take the O or the S, whichever indicates who you are. Go down to where it says place letter under number three. And under number one, put an O or an S, an O or an S. The second question is, are you more task-oriented or people-oriented? Are you more projects-oriented or people-oriented? Now, all of us have to get tasked, and all of us have to put projects together, but the question is, how do you want to go about it? A task-oriented individual thinks, all right, I've got to get this job done, and the people that are working with me are a means to an end. So as they come alongside me, we're going to get this done, and it's helpful to have them there because we'll be able to get the job done faster and more effectively. Now, if you're on the people side of projects, people are the journey. You're more concerned about the people than you are the project because people make it fun. People make it interesting. You love to process with people. You're more of a team player. So where would you say you are on that continuum? Are you more task-oriented, uh, liking to, again, work along with people to get the job done, or are you more people-oriented in your tasks, uh, just loving to work with other people? So, again, put yourself on the continuum and then choose one of those things, more task-oriented or people-oriented. So T or P on number two. Number three, uh, do you prefer variety or routine? 
Are you the person who would just die if you were in a job where you did the same thing day after day after day? I mean, there's a little bit of variety, but not much. Uh, Again, if you're a person who loves variety, you love a job where there's always constant challenges. You love a crisis. (laughs) You love an interruption. (laughs) Anything to keep your mind active and looking uh, for different opportunities. Now, if you're a routine type person, you like to do pretty much the same thing every day, predictable, you want to know what's coming. So, again, put yourself on that continuum, whether you lean more toward variety or you lean more toward routine. So, V or R, and then put that letter under number three. Now, if you've done that right, you should have three letters. One, two, three. And somebody's confused, just help them out there. They should have three letters. Now, you can take those three letters and determine maybe what your primary uh, personality animal is. So, if you're OTV, you're outgoing, you're task-oriented, and you love variety, you're most likely a lion. If you are... OPV, outgoing, uh, people-oriented, and you love variety, you're an otter. If you're SPV, you are shy, uh, people-oriented, and either you can go with variety or routine on that one to be a golden retriever. If you're shy, task-oriented, and uh, routine-oriented, that's STR, you would be a beaver. Okay. Now, according to that, how many uh, came up with one that you, you think you might agree with? Well, you'll see later when we talk about it. Okay. How many? It just didn't work. You're confused. Okay, that's okay. Hopefully, we'll clarify this as we go along. Okay. Let me go a little further here. Now, one thing you need to realize is this is the curriculum that we're using over the next two weeks as part of the messages, as well as part of our love style workshops that we're going to be having. It's by Dr. Les and Leslie uh, Barreau. Uh, They've written a lot of stuff on marriage, great resources. But this one deals with this love style personality information. And what they do in taking the four different types of personalities, the lion and the beaver, the otter, that type of thing, they try to fit it into an acronym L-O-V-E, so they've got leader for the lion, they've got optimist for the otter, they've got, uh, let's see, validator, I think it's a golden retriever, and the evaluator would be uh, the beaver. Okay, so I've given you those. If you have the love style reports, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. And the reason I've chosen to use the animals, created by Gary Smalley, is because I just think it's a lot more user-friendly. People can associate themselves more quickly uh, with that. And there's also key words here. How many of you are familiar with the DISC? Have you taken the DISC in some setting? All right, out of business and things like that. In fact, I have uh, the book, which I would encourage you to buy. It's $11 on Amazon. And then there's the online DISC profile, where you can get a lot of information without taking the profile itself. So those are resources for you. But uh, LION, the key word is dominance. Uh, This person, again, wants to get out in front. They want to be the dominant person. 
Uh, for otter, the key word is influence. They want to influence people. It's all about people. The golden retriever, they just want steadiness. They want life to continue day after day without too many changes or anything like that. And the beaver is the conscientious one. They're the ones who like a rule book in terms of exactly how life should work, and they want to do it perfectly. Well, that's just a quick summary of the different animals and how they correlate to what's uh, in uh, the book. All right. Well, let's go back, and if we look at First uh, Peter 3, 7, is another way for us to understand why it's so important to talk about these things. In First Peter 3, 7, Peter writes, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So when we love someone, when we're following God's command, we need to have understanding on how to love them better. That's what this whole series is about. So it's interesting that it says to men, you need to love your wives with understanding. Women just have such a higher capacity to understand people and connect with them emotionally than men do generally, uh, that we men need a lot of encouragement. So, guys, I would really encourage you to listen up as we move through this information in order that you might understand yourself better, your wife, your child better, in order that you might uh, bless them. And it says right here, if, if you don't honor your wife, that your prayers are going to be hindered. That's how serious, serious it is in regards to a marriage relationship. If you're not honoring and caring for your wife, guys, uh, your prayers are not as effective. They're going to be hindered because God wants you to honor your wife through his power in order that he might bless you. All right. Well, let's take a look at our animals again. And again, we have the lion and the otter and the golden retriever and the beaver. Let's take, first of all, uh, let's take a look at the lion first. Uh, when you look at this picture of a lion, what do you think of? Well, you think of the king of the jungle. You think of authority. You think of leadership. You think of uh, someone who's very competent and powerful. Well, that's the lion type of personality. I'm going to give you some quick references to biblical characters here. Again, who knows what their personality was, but these are some of these behaviors that we see in their life. And when I think about a lion, I think about Paul. Paul. Uh, we see that he was a tremendous leader with incredible drive, and he wanted to wipe out Christianity. We see in Acts 9, 1 and 2, before he became a Christ follower, he was called Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there, who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he wanted to arrest all the Christians, imprison them, and he wanted to snuff out Christianity because he was a committed Jew, one who had been trained, a Sadducee, Pharisee. He, again, uh, was someone who was very much committed to Judaism, and he saw Christianity is a real threat 
uh, to Judaism. But as we all know, on the way to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And at that point, Christ transformed his life, and he turned to Christ. And then all his ambition, all his drive, all his focus was flipped from destroying Christianity to building Christianity. A verse that hints of this is 1 Corinthians 9.27. He says, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. He was sold out. He was committed to Jesus Christ in every way. And he was living to the power of Christ. And he wanted to finish well. And, of course, we could go on with all kinds of examples, all the church planning that he did, the letters that he wrote in Scripture that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. This guy got things done. He was a mover and a shaker, and that's the way lions tend to be. Now, let's look at the lion at their best. The lions, uh, take a look at this. And if you're married to a lion, take a look at this. Uh, First of all, lions are goal-oriented. They want to make things happen. They want to move the ball down the field. They're focused. They've got a laser focus. When they are working on a project, it's all they can think about. They're self-confident. Oh, of course I can do that. Of course I can solve that problem. (laughs) They're visionary. They see a preferred future out there, and they're willing to do whatever they can to lead people toward it. And they're extremely hardworking because they've got so much much work to do, so many projects to accomplish, uh, they can be workaholics, no doubt. They can fall into that. Now, the lion at their worst, the lion at their worst, these people are very, very stubborn because they think they're right. They've got this great intensity behind them. And so if you, you're married to a lion or if you have a child, and again, this all relates to children as well, it's very interesting to study your children and see how they might mirror you or mirror your spouse uh, and their mix, uh, again, they, they're stubborn. <laughs> they don't like to uh, uh, do things other people's way. Strong-willed is another term. Usually if you have a strong-willed child, they are a lion. Uh, they're insensitive. They're just insensitive people. Uh, <laughs> and again, This is where I want you to pick up on the sinful tendencies. All these personalities have really good things about them, but they also have areas where they can easily fall into sin. So if you can identify which one characterizes you the most, you can kind of tell where you're weak. And with a lion, a pure lion, uh, you've got a person who wants to get things done, and many times they're not really super concerned about what people think about them. And so, therefore, they'll say things like you'll say, did you just say that to me? (laughs) Do you have not one sensitive bone in your body? That's an extreme lion. Now, it's interesting because I'm primarily a lion, I think, but I'm also a very strong otter. So that saved me because, uh, you know, I've got a a lot of drive uh, in my personality, but at the same time, I've got a real sensitivity uh, to people. So they balance each other out. But if you're a high D and you don't have a very high I, that's when you really get into into trouble. And that's why it's important that you take the Love Styles Report because I'm just uh, talking to you today, if you haven't taken the Love Styles Report, about your primary drive. You have drives in each of these areas that are a different uh, 
different intensities. So I'm kind of like a DI back and forth. So that informs me when I study these materials and uh, think through these things about, okay, that's why I am the way I am. Uh, but if you don't have that other information, uh, it can be a little bit confusing. So, uh, easily annoyed. Boy, lions are easily annoyed because, again, they are so focused on what they want to do. They're so intense about it. And if anybody comes along and interrupts them or says, can you do this for me? They look at them and say, can't you tell this important work that I'm involved in? Please come back another time like never. <laughs> and, and, and tied to that is hot temper. I mean, if a person has a very strong temper, chances are they might be an eye because an eye is just so tightly, excuse me, a D is so, excuse me, a lion is so tightly wound. And that's why they are easily annoyed. Uh, they can become angry easily. And if you are a lion, you really need to pray that the Holy Spirit would get inside uh, that part of you and purify you and convict you because you could do unbelievable damage in other people's lives uh, because you're not treating them uh, with love. Uh, they're also domineering. I mean, if they're married to somebody who's a golden retriever or an optimist, uh, uh, a, an otter, uh, again, they can just be so domineering the other person feels like they have no voice at all. And that's sin. That's wrong uh, in any type of relationship. So that is the lion. Let's move on to the otter. Now, the otter, uh, they just love to have a good time. Fun is the word that they uh, equate with everything in life. And the biblical character I think of when I think of the otter is Peter. Peter was the kind of guy who loved to jump into the action. For example, when he was uh, on the boat and Jesus Christ appeared, we talked about this a month or so ago, and he realized that Jesus Christ had just, just fed 5,000 people, so he was thinking, well, why can't you know, he, he enable me to walk on water? And that's exactly what he did. The best story, I think, that describes Peter as a high eye is when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus Christ was there, and Moses and Elijah also came. And Jesus Christ let James and John and Peter see just a little bit of his glory that he masked in heaven. And, of course, they were blown away. And Peter steps up and says, come on, this is great. Let's set up some tents and let's just stay here together because he was really enjoying this. And I think all of us would uh, find that such a stunning thing to be in the presence of Moses and Elijah as well as Jesus revealing his glory. And Peter said, let's stick around. Uh, that's just the way that he was. And he was the first one who, well, he was the one who said, the only one who said, I'm going to stick with you, Christ. I'm never going to, uh, again, betray you. Well, eyes tend to be optimists. They think that they can do a lot more than they typically can do uh, just because, hey, you know, I, I can do it. Uh, but uh, obviously he failed at that. But at the same time, he was a guy who preached the Pentecost sermon where 3,000 people came to Christ. So great things about eyes. Uh, the otter at their best. They're fun-loving. They're the life of the party. Otters are just great. 
to be around. Uh, they're, they're fun. Uh, they're positive. They're optimists. They're persuasive. Some of your best salespeople are otters because they knew how to persuade people because they're so relationally driven. Uh, sociable. Uh, they just love to be around people. In fact, the way that otters, people people, recharge their batteries is being around more people. Now, if you're not a people person, I mean, again, not that you don't like people, but you just have you know, normal relationships with people. You're not off the charts like an otter. Uh, many times you like to recharge yourself by being alone. It's like you get drained by being around people all the time. And you want to come home from work and you know, shut the door and nobody talk to me. I've run out of words. I've run out of energy to deal with people. <laughs> That's how you recharge your batteries. And once you recharge them, you can go into the land of the living again and interact uh, with people. So it's interesting how we recharge there. Uh, encouraging. Now, this is the thing that an otter is the most concerned about, is what other people think about them. They want other people's approval. So many times what we do with our personalities is we treat other people the way we want to be treated. So if I want to be encouraged, I'm going to encourage other people as an otter and so they love to encourage other people because they love relationships they love people but they also want to receive that encouragement back now the otter at their worst they are conflict avoidant because they love people so much they don't want to rock the boat they don't want anybody to think ill of them so instead of dealing with an issue they'll go underground so if you have a child or a spouse who's an otter many times they won't talk about what the real issue is uh, they're very dramatic. <laughs> An otter, uh, sometimes uh, if they're extreme, it's like you're living a soap opera with them. I mean, they, they describe a normal situation that other people have in life, but to them, it's kind of like, <laughs> you wouldn't believe what happened at work today. <laughs> and they go on and on and say, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll get over it. Uh, sometimes they can be that way. Easily distracted. Because they're always looking for fun. That is what they're looking for. And if it's not fun, they're done. So they're, they're terrible at tasks. Uh, again, not, it depends. You know, as you mature over time in life, you, again, adjust the way you approach life to make up for some of your weaknesses. But, you know, the pure otter doesn't like tasks because they're not fun. And they're also uh, prone to procrastination because certain tasks are not fun or they don't involve people. And they're forgetful. Now, i got a lot of otter in me, so I'll be going off on errands. And the uh, Lord will say, hey, could you pick this up? And like, oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, and Of course, I don't pick it up. Uh, <laughs> in fact, she says to me, whenever I do remember something, especially if she told me the day before to do something, and I said, I got that. I'm amazed. What happened? Because <laughs> she knows me so well. <laughs> That's why I have my, my voice recorder on me, you know, because I always have to record those tasks because I'll miss them otherwise. Uh, but, uh, yeah, otters are great. Uh, golden retrievers. Golden retrievers. Oh, yeah. Uh, golden retrievers are great. You're married to a golden retriever. God bless you. I'm married to one. Um, not that you're a dog or anything, but I, I want to misspeak here. Beautiful golden retriever. Um they're loyal, uh, they're loving, they're a slower paced. They just move at a slower pace, and that's a good thing. Uh, when I think about a biblical character to match a golden retriever, I think about Abraham. Abraham 
was somebody who wanted peace. These people like harmony. They hate conflict. So when Abraham had issue with Lot and their herdsmen were fighting over the land that they were shepherding, uh, in verse 8 of Genesis 13, it says, And Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are your kinsmen. So he was trying to, you know, cover, uh, he was trying to, uh, again, bring peace to the situation, harmony. And, in fact, he gave more land to Lot, uh, or the better land to Lot, to uh, shepherd and farm and things like that than himself just because of the way that he was. So when you look at the golden retriever at their best, they're very loyal, but they'll be loyal to the end. They're very agreeable because it's interesting as you look at the different types, uh, the, let's see, the um, golden retriever and the otter are very concerned about what other people think about them. They're very people-oriented. If you're golden retriever or otter, it's all about people. Now, if you're a lion or a beaver, eh, you know, it depends on how strong that drive is in your life. But people just aren't that important as for the otter and for the golden retriever. So here we see the same type of things we see in the otter. They're very thoughtful. They're very tolerant. uh, Very tolerant. And, you know, I think about my relationship with Lori. She's been too tolerant of sometimes patterns in my life. Uh, in the past, and she's been very you know, patient with me, but with my uh, lion orientation, uh, I can just kind of keep moving ahead, and I have not been sensitive to her at times in terms of her needs, and she hasn't, you know, confronted me uh, because of the way she's wired, and so, you know, we work through that, and we continue to work through it because your personality is your personality, but as, you know, Christ gets in the middle of that, and you're, again, submitted to him, uh, you continue to grow uh, in that way. Uh, they're very nurturing. You just have a golden retriever in your life, and they just uh, continue to nurture you. Now, the golden retriever at their worst, sometimes they can be withdrawn because they don't want to create any conflict, so they don't talk about their feelings. Uh, they don't get it out there unless they become very, very frustrated, so they clam up, so it's kind of hard to figure out where they're at. Uh, they're indecisive sometimes because they want to create peace and they, uh, they're in a situation where they have two people that they want to please and they're also thinking about themselves a little bit and so they don't know what to do because they want to be so loyal and loving to the people that they, they have in their lives. Uh, they're very resistant to change. This is an area that can lean towards sin in the sense that they don't want to change at all sometimes, depending on how strong that drive is in their life. And sometimes you've got to change. And so that's an area to consider. They can seem aloof at times because they're so steady emotionally. Some of the other personalities are up and down and that kind of thing. But they just kind of go along. And they don't necessarily, you know, become very emotional over uh, different things. And so that way you can look at them and say, you know, they have a pulse. (laughs) They're really steady. (laughs) Doesn't anything get you excited? Doesn't anything get you angry? That kind of thing. Uh, And they have a hard time saying no because they want to please people. So you want to coach this person or you coach yourself, you've got to say no. Now, the last uh, personality type is the beaver. 
Uh, the beaver's industrious, hard-working, methodical, building their dams. Uh, and when I think about uh, a biblical personality, maybe Moses was a beaver. Now, Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness alone. Now, if you put an otter or a golden retriever in the wilderness for 40 years alone with limited contact, they would die. Okay, so that's why I think maybe he was a beaver. Uh, because, you know, with a, with a lion, yeah, they can do a lot of time alone, you know, as long as they're getting things done. They don't need people that much. And the beaver, well, they don't really need people that much either. So that's why I think maybe Moses was a uh, beaver. At the same time, I don't think he was a lion. Remember when God came to him at the burning bush and he said, Moses, I want you to free my people. Now, a lion would say, let's go. Let's take them down. Let's free these people. I'm up for it. But after Moses dialogues, or God dialogues with Moses, answering all his questions, which again would be the beaver. <laughs> I've got to know exactly what's going on here. And he, again, makes allowances. Okay, Aaron can go along for your public speaking. <laughs> he still says in Exodus 4.13, but he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> you see, a beaver has to have a book. They have to know exactly how... They need to approach life. If you've ever talked to a beaver in your family or at work or something like that and say, I want you to do this, just take this project and go. They say, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. You've got to tell me exactly how to do it because I want to do it perfectly. They're perfectionists. And therefore, how can a perfectionist do something if they don't know the rules? So you have to lay it out for them. They always want the rule book. How is this going to work? And Moses thinking, where's the rule book for freeing uh, the Israelites from the Egyptians. <laughs> That's, he really stepped outside of his comfort zone on that one. Uh, so you talk about Moses when he was with the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness and how he basically built a nation. Now, you're going to need a beaver probably to do that. Somebody was very meticulous and planned and scheduled and all those different thing, types of things. Uh, and the people of Israel are very difficult to deal with. So uh, that's why I think Moses is most likely a beaver in his personality uh, type. Well, let's look at the beaver at their best. First of all, they're very orderly. If you walk into a house and it is just like nobody lives here, that's probably a beaver's home, the woman. <laughs> exactly. I mean, everything is in its place. Uh, they're very conscientious. They want to make sure that everything is done right. Uh, they're very scheduled. They have schedules for everything, lists uh, for everything. They're very purposeful in what they do. They're thoughtful. They're factual. They want to know the facts, that type of thing. Uh, then, at their worst, uh, they're obsessive about being perfectionistic. If you have a child who is a beaver, you really need to be very patient and careful with them because they want to do life right. And when you when you're going through the developmental phases of growing to be an adult, life is always changing. That, that drives beavers crazy. And so, therefore, you just need to let them, tell them to lighten up because they're trying to do things perfectly. They're trying to do perfect, you know, have perfect grades and whatever it might be. And uh, life can be very disappointing for them because of that. So you need to continue to encourage them uh, through these 
challenges. That they're very critical of themselves as well. They can be critical of others. They can be very moody because life is not working the way it should work. They can be very suspicious of other people because they're quite different than their personalities. And uh, that's the interesting thing about kids. You can have a beaver uh, or you can have the opposite. I mean, if you don't have much beaver drive in you, you could care less about the rules. <laughs> it's just like, let's live life by the seat of our pants. It can be a little bit odder in there. And so it's fascinating to watch your kids and how different they are. Well, it's because God has given them different uh, personalities. They can be very rigid as well, obviously. So let's look at our pictures here again. And uh, let's see. Are you more like a lion? So after you've listened to this presentation, how many feel like you're a lion? All right, let me hear your roar. All right, not bad. Okay, let's look at the, uh, the otter. Okay, any otters out there? Okay, why don't you just laugh for us? What? <laughs> I, don't, I can't tell who's laughing. All right. All right, yeah, let's laugh. How about you golden retrievers out there? You loyal, loyal people. God bless you. God bless you. And how about uh, the beavers? The beavers, all right. All right, people who keep it working, uh, accountants, all those type of people that uh, make sure that life works. Uh, very good. Now, um, again, one more reminder why we take time to talk about this. John 13, 34 to 35. Jesus Christ says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we as Christ followers, we as people who identify with the larger body of Christ and with the local body here called Springbrook Community Church, we should be known for our love. That's the one thing that should really characterize us from other people, how much we love other people, whether it be at home or whether it be on the job or in the community. And this tool of your love style can help you to love other people better. And that's my encouragement to you, is that you would take this information home and in your daily office just have this green sheet out and just let the Lord speak to you and identify, you know, some of these strengths and weaknesses, especially, I mean, thank God for the strengths you have in your personality style, but also look at your weaknesses and say, Lord, you know, would your spirit convict me of maybe areas that I'm not even aware of? I've been insensitive. Uh, to people. I'm not taking responsibilities in certain areas of my life because I keep procrastinating things or um, how I'm not dealing with certain issues because I'm conflict avoidant or how rigid I am and not open to your spirit and just having flexibility in the way that I approach life. Really ask the Lord to encourage you first but then convict you of any sin that might be a part of your life and ask Him to fill you with his power in order that you might grow. And again, this is where it comes down to having a conversation with someone else. And that's why we encourage you to take the love style profile. Uh, again, this is originally the disc. So it's proven survey results over, over 100 years. And uh, you want to understand yourself, your spouse, child, and friends. So if you get a report, this 12-page report uh, that we're offering for $5, 
and we really encourage you to get two reports, one for you and another for a child or spouse, friend. And take out this blue sheet, this blue sheet, okay? And it says Love Style Assessment. How many of you have already bought the survey and taken it? Okay. Well, we really want to encourage you to do this. This is part of our HeartStrong initiative to build healthier families and healthier marriages. And this is just a great tool. So what you want to do is put down your name and your email, two different email addresses or just one if you don't know the other person's email address, and then send the person their code, and you go on the Internet and uh, just respond.com, I think it is. You fill in your code. It takes you 10 minutes, and then within a minute or so, they will send you a 12-page report on what your love style uh, might be. Now, you might not agree with it. In fact, one woman I was talking with, she, she took the report, and she said, this is not me. There's no way this is me. And so she took it again. It came back the same way. And then she realized, no, this is me. <laughs> you know, many of us are living denial, living in denial of who we really are because we don't want to be our personality. We want to be somebody else's personality. Well, friends, you're going to waste your time and energy doing that. You need to embrace and celebrate the way God has made you. And this particular type of tool God can use in helping you identify that. So... Fill this out. Take it back to the Love at Last Sight Challenge. They'll give you, or you can just give it to them with $10 or $5, and then we'll email you a code, and you can take the survey. And then we'd love to have you come out to our Love Style Workshop, which you see on the other side here. And uh, this is going to be this Friday as well as November 9th. They're identical. And we're going to have Tom Jensen comes out, who uh, specializes in marriage. And uh, he's going to be going through the survey with you, uh, the one that you receive. So you want to make sure you have your survey uh, when you come, answering your questions and how we can love each other better. So this is a great date night uh, for everybody. Uh, now, we have child care here. Uh, if you'd like, put the names of your kids that you would like to be have them cared for. But um, if you'd like to leave your kids with another sitter, that way you can come to the event and you can go out afterwards for dessert and discuss uh, your different profiles. Now, if you don't think that's going to be a positive experience, maybe you don't do that. But <laughs> at some point, <laughs> you need to sit down and talk about it. Use it as a springboard to get insights into each other's lives. Uh, so you can turn uh, that in. Uh, so if you could take out your programs at this time and rip off your communication slip, we have some next steps uh, for you. Again, if you're our guest, so good to have you. Just fill out the information there so we can get to know you better. If you're a regular attender, just fill out the names of the adults uh, that are here in your family. But under next steps, number one, I will do the love style survey with someone else and discuss. So we're just encouraging you to say, okay, we spent this time together. What's the next step for you? Number two, I'll invite a neighbor and their family to Candy Town. That's our fall festival on Halloween. Uh, number three, I'll make a commitment to attend the next four weekends in a row. Church attendance uh, can make a real difference uh, in your life. As you come regularly to be together with the body, to be encouraged, to worship together. And uh, if you are willing to make that challenge or, excuse me, take that commitment, I encourage you to do that. I'll pray this week for my gospel friend to come to Christ, someone you're seeking to reach for Christ. 
uh, meditate on or seek to memorize Ephesians 4.29, our monthly memory verse, or I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to minister to you in our prayer center. Please come back and we can tell you more about what it means to know Jesus Christ. We could have our ushers come forward at this time. We're going to receive uh, your tithes and offerings. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these tools that help us to understand each other better, but more importantly, to understand others better. And I pray, Lord, that we would continue to grow in love for one another. I pray that you would continue to open our eyes to what we're blind to about how we treat other people uh, that is not sensitive, that is not loving. And I pray uh, that we would grow healthier families and marriages in our midst as well as uh, in our community. In Christ's name, amen.